Thank you, Mike. There's a, there's a joke about me and camping. It's these young guys in the congregations. They want to take you camping all the time. And I, Ross said, we're going camping. I said, yeah, where am I sleeping? He said, no, we're going camping. I said, yeah, no, but where am I sleeping? <laughs> you know, you get down there. At my age, you've got to see what else you can do when you're down there before you get back up again. And they want me to sleep. Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's become a joke now with me where I love camping. I've, I've camped the last couple of weekends, amazingly. I did, I did a camp for the, the, the Wellington PM congregation, and uh, we slept, myself and two other folk, on a farm, which was quite away from the campsite, but the road to the campsite, woof. And the auntie that took us there, she didn't mind. So we didn't have any indigestion problems, the whole camp, because we were shaken up going there, coming back. And then we had a hub leaders camp too at Wellington. So I've been camping, but I'm getting there. I'm getting, I'm from Weinberg Congregation. It's an absolute joy. Mike, thank you so much for inviting me to be with you. I slept over in Mulnerton. I had to travel so far. I live in, <laughs> I'm joking, I live in Musenberg. Um, so, but it's, it's quick, it's easy. And I want to speak this morning about that. He is risen. And if, um, if my, and I'm not good on titles with preachers, so, you know, I'm not a three points and a poem guy. You know, I, I'm just kind of not that. I, I'd really like to be, but I'm not that, you know. So you'll just have to bear with me, okay. But if there was a title, it is, He is not here. And the ladies that went to the tomb discovered that. So we're going to read three passages of Scripture just about when the ladies go on that, on this morning, this Sunday morning. They got up early, and they went to the tomb. Are you, are you doing that? His name's Joshua. That's an amazing name. We'll start in Matthew. That's the first guy. Okay. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. <laughs> we just read it. There was a violent earthquake. I mean, imagine what they felt. There was a violent earthquake, and an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And the girl said, wow. No, they didn't. They were gobsmacked. Something was happening. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow, and the gods were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Go to Mark as well. I just want to read all them just to take a bit of time. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. And let's just do Luke as well. 
On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? And historically, um, the things of Jesus are, are, are the things we preach about. There's Christmas, there's Jesus' birth, and we remember the birth. We, we, we celebrate the birth of the Savior, Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. We celebrate that. We remember his death on the cross. We remember he was dead, he was buried in a tomb. And we also remember that he rose again. His birth, unfortunately, has been a little bit, um, what can I say, it's been overshadowed by extras. When you, when you go to churches now, and it's Christmas time, you see nativity scenes, and there's a little baby in a manger, and lots of straw, and donkeys, and cows, and other things, and then you even have Father Christmas, not there, but around, that's Christmas as people see Christmas. So the birth of Jesus become cluttered with extras. The cross of Christ. On Friday, we celebrate that Jesus went to the cross. And it, it was a momentous thing. It was the, the most incredible thing that happened in history was that this man called Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, gave his life on a cross. And after... They'd killed him, they put him in a tomb, and they closed it up. And we remember that with Easter eggs, bunnies, and even hot cross buns. And the, the cross and the, and the burial have been clouded by other things. And they are historical events. You don't just read it in the Bible. You read it in the history books. This man called Jesus was born supernaturally of a virgin. And we forget the virgin birth, and we have babies and straw and nativity scenes. And we make it all nice. But actually, it's a miracle. When, when the angel visited Mary, she said, how will, how will this be? How's it going to happen? And he said this to her. He said, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. She became pregnant. Supernatural conception. She was pregnant for nine months with a baby, and she gave birth to this baby. This little baby was born. But his resurrection, his resurrection is the one event that hasn't got a little bit blurred, and I'll tell you why. You see, the birth of Jesus is historically an event that took place, and it's written. The crucifixion of Jesus and his burial is an historical fact. And Jesus shed his blood, we know, and he suffered a, a death that nobody... I read somewhere the other day, he suffered more than anybody else because Jesus was so pure, so, so clean, so moral, so perfect that, that the things he endured were, were, were magnified into his life because he was this perfect God-man. He was crucified with two men, one on either side. 
and they were cursing him out. They, when, they, when they crucified people, they, they cursed these men. They, they were horrible men who, who had done evil things. And Jesus was put up there. And you know the story. And they nailed him to the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. And they picked the cross up and dropped it into the hole. And it jarred him. He said, Father, forgive them. And they slapped him and pulled his beard and stuck on a crown of thorns. He said, Father, forgive them. Everyone else cursed them. But this Jesus, that's historical fact. But his resurrection doesn't have extras because of this. He's still alive. It's a continuing historical fact. This God that we serve is living. He's no longer a baby in a manger. He's no longer the man on the cross. We've got to understand that. We must remember that. We celebrate Christmas, please do. I like Easter eggs, haven't had one, so if anybody's got any spares afterwards, I'll very happily take one. Jesus is no longer a baby. He was weak, little baby. There he is, nine months old, going for stones. We don't eat stones, China. Not good, not good. I've got four kids. My eldest is going to be 50 this year. Help me, Lord. She, she ate a snail once in the garden. Came out in the wash, you know. My wife said, good grief, what did you eat, child? She's still alive. Amazing. Kids eat anything. He's dependent, this little guy, on his parents. Jesus was dependent on Mary and Joseph to, to nurture him, to bring him up, to feed him, to help him. He's no longer on the cross. There on the cross, at the mercy of his persecutors, weak. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 4. For to be sure, he's crucified in weakness, yet he lives in God's power. You see, he was weak because he gave himself. Nobody took his life. He gave his life. He said in the Gospels, I think it's Matthew's Gospel, he said, I, I could have called 12 legions of angels, but I knew that I had to go through this for humankind to be politically correct. Now, I had to go through this. I could have called 12 legions of angels, but I choose not to. And he's now seated at the right hand of the Father in the throne room in heaven, and he's interceding for you and for me. Hebrews 1.3 and 1 Peter 3.22 confirm that. Thank you. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. To go to the bottom. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Priests on earth never sat down because their work was never finished. And Jesus has sat down because he said on the cross, it's finished. Not I'm finished, it is finished. And he'd completed the work. 1 Peter 3.22 also confirms he's gone into heaven, he's at God's right hand. This Jesus who we worship is a living God. He's, a living, he's the only God in the whole of humankind that is worshipped that's still alive. Ugh, people have got all sorts of gods. There's a group of them near where I live there in the Marina de Goma. They're getting dressed in white and they worship the sun. They don't have a problem when the clouds come in there because their God's missing. Then they just sit and wait. They wait for hours, hours on a Sunday morning. I go to church. I will go to the meeting place. Coming, they're still there. They're sitting. It's overcast. And then there's a glimpse of the sun. 
Can you be so dumb and still breathe? But they do. I mean, it's crazy. Then the sun sets, then we'll start again. It's as if the sun only comes up on a Sunday. That's the day we worship. You see, Jesus conquered death. Death couldn't keep him. We love that song you sang. <laughs> Imagine an earthquake. You know what it says in the Gospels? When he was crucified, the temple curtain was torn and graves were opened. Imagine walking around in Azerbaijan and you think, that's a Wally. He died three years. Wally, what are you doing, bro? No, what do you mean? You, you, no, well, when G, what are you talking about, Wally? He's alive. He, the people came alive. I mean, it's, nobody's done that before. This Jesus we serve, he does the impossible well. And we've come to remember him. And his resurrection is the most significant thing that I want us to remember this weekend. Don't forget the birth. Please, no, no. Don't forget the cross. No, no, no. It's the cross. It's that shed blood that has saved us. Being put in a tomb, buried, stone rolled away in place. But it couldn't keep him three days. Today, on the day. It's not the day, but we celebrate today. I always imagine Friday. Friday. And this anguish and this man goes through this terrible. And I think, hang on. Sunday's coming. Imagine if you had a God who was killed. And that was that. What Paul says to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if, if we worship a God that is not alive and he didn't get resurrected and didn't come back to life, we're preaching rubbish. I might as well say, look, let's just go and have hot cross buns and coffee. It's over. But no, this God is alive. And he proved that too. He proved that. His resurrection is the most significant thing. He was once dead, the Bible said, but now he's alive. Romans 6, 9, he was once dead. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. It says this in Psalm 139. All the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came into being. Lost my wife five years ago. I said, God, why? He said, I don't want you to ask why. I want you to trust me. You will never understand, but I want you to learn to trust me. And there's that verse written. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came into being. We'll all go. It's inevitable. The, the statistic on death is 100%. But this Jesus, death couldn't keep him. He rose again bodily, and he's now seated in heaven. Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us the woman went to the tomb. I'm not big on going to tombs and graves and things. Personally, that's, it's over. I've spoken to dead people. They're very unresponsive. They just, they don't respond. They don't talk. They, they do nothing. You can do it. They just don't. So I don't go and sit in and mourn. But yeah, they were going to the tomb because they had spices. They wanted to anoint this body. They were sad. They were downcast. They were confused. 
Then they saw that the stone was rolled away. There were angels present. The body of Jesus wasn't there. And then those words, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? Now go. They went to the tomb sad. But then they turned and they went from the tomb to go and tell the good news that Jesus is alive. Just like he said. I love those stories. I, I want to put myself into that space. The apostle John writes, John, he, he writes, he calls himself the one Jesus loved. <laughs> Hello, John. Moses calls himself the humblest man that ever lived. That's what Moses writes about himself. Moses wrote that. The humblest man that ever lived. Gee, Mo, you've got a bit of an opinion, bro. John, the one whom Jesus, John, hang on. And he writes and, he's, and he talks about him and Peter running. And, and, and the disciple outran, Peter outran, he outran Peter and he got there. And then Peter, typical Peter, into the tomb. Oh, grief, he's not here. What are we going to do, John? Well, 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 let's just, John, he writes. But the, she, the, the woman, go, they go to the tomb and then the joy, the wonder. He's risen. He's alive. We, they go, go and tell. And Jesus said this, the, uh, the, when he met them, you remember, you swear you, was it you? That was you, it was you, it was you. Worship. Another mic, I can't go wrong. There's so many mics here, Mike, Mike said it, yeah. And I've got the mic, Mike. And they worshiped, and he said this, go and tell the disciples and Peter. I love that, because Peter blew it. Peter blew it big time. Remember, Jesus said, Peter, before, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Never. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. The manger is empty. Because Jesus grew up. The cross is empty. Because Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate if he could take the body down. And guess who helped him? The guy who came at night. Who was Nicodemus. When Jesus said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again to inherit the kingdom. And Nicodemus was a teacher of the law in Israel, and he didn't know what Jesus meant. Huh? You mean I've got to know you must be born again? It's not an American slang expression that the churches use over there. It's Bible. And the tomb is empty because Jesus got up out of the tomb under the power of the Spirit of God and walked out. The manger's empty because he grew up. The cross is empty because they took him down. And the tomb is empty because he rose again by the power. The resurrection will be celebrated until he comes back. He's not in the, in the, in the manger. Don't forget the birth. I'm not saying we forget the birth. He's not on the cross. Some churches have what they call stations, the stations of Jesus' journey from when they found him guilty. And there's stations, and he's there, and he's getting this, and he's getting... And it ends with this, with Jesus on the cross. No, no, he's not on the cross. He came down off the cross. He's alive. He's not hanging on the cross. He was raised by the power of God. And this is what Romans 8 which I got wrong, which you fixed for me, glory. 8, 9, and 11. 9, you got it, Josh? You, you had 6. Take, go to 8. Just 
patient. This is Joshua. This is all right. He's eight, chapter 8, verse 9, 10, and 11. You heard the story about the guy making, um, in America, you make that, what's it called? Moonshine. You heard that story. And if, for those of you who don't know, the Joshua in the Bible actually caused the sun to stand still. If you're anything scientific, that's why we have 365 and a quarter days, because the Bible actually says that the sun stood still. That's why every four years we have a leap year. Anyway, this guy, he was making this moonshine, and he got caught, and he was standing before the judge, and the judge was opening his file, and he said, you know, he said, my name's Joshua. He said, yes, sir. Took off his cap, thought, judge said, it's a good biblical name. He said, yes, sir. He thought, Phew. I'm scoring here. He said, you're not the Joshua who made the sun stand still, are you? He said, no, you're on. I'm the Joshua who made the moon shine. <laughs> so, Josh, well done, bro. <laughs> this is what it says. This, the power of the Spirit, the, the life of God. You remember Jesus? Maybe you don't remember. But he said to his disciples, he said, look, I'm, I'm going to go away. I'm paraphrasing. But it's better that I go away. Because you see, if Jesus was on earth now, he'd be in Weinberg congregation this morning. And you guys would, well, you're trying your best here. <laughs> because he, he couldn't be in more than one place at a time because he had a body. But he said to the disciples, look, I'm going away, but I'm going to send one just like me. He won't just be with you. He'll be in you. And it's going to be better for you that I actually go away. And that power of the Spirit is what indwells us human beings when we invite Jesus Christ into our lives. That same power, this is what it says, we are not controlled by the sinful nature anymore. I was asked to give my testimony. I said to these young people, I said, when I was 24 or 25 years old, 25, Jesus saved me. They said, no, no, we want to know what you did for, I said, you don't want to know what I did. Because the Bible says I was dead in my trespasses and my sin. That wasn't the real me. Jesus found me and he made me me because I'm now controlled by the Spirit, not by my sinful nature. Oh, it's still there. Even this morning on the road, I felt it's still there. <laughs> People, you know, you drift over and then they, psh, and you think, BM, sorry, if you drive a BMW, sorry, BMW drivers never just say thank you. I've just moved over. And then our glocks of a car drives past and the guy, thank you. There, you're the man. You're the man. You're the man. I'm controlled by the Spirit. If the Spirit lives in you. If. Then he says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not long be, belong to Christ. Wow. Wow. So the only way I can belong is if I have the Holy Spirit in me. And, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. The same Spirit that raised Jesus up out of the grave dwells in us. And these old bodies, they get quickened. And my body says, my, my mind says to my body, okay, go! And my body says, who? Me! Because I need to be quickened in my body, in my physical being, because I'm not what I used to be, but I want to be sharp in my mind and understand the wonder of the power of God in me. It says that's how we live as followers. By, I, I, I don't, I've tried my best for 25 years. Got me nowhere. 
Then I met him. And everything changed. Everything changed. I tell the story about my late wife. She got saved six months before me. We were living in the town of George. Long story. First time we go to church, out of, we were forced to go. We're trying to be kind to the pastor. He kept visiting and get my nerves. So let's just go, get it over with. So we go, first meeting. She comes to the front there, she's crying. I'm standing at the back thinking, you see, come to church. Now I've got drama. Now I know. Now there's drama. So that night she's trying to explain to me what happened. She said, I, I don't know. She said, Lovey, look, let me just tell you, you're going to go to hell. I said, you go to hell? What are you doing? She was so <laughs> changed by, by, by meeting the Lord. She, she so wanted me to change. She said, no, you've got, to get, you've got to get saved. You've got to be born again, love. Six months it took. You know. It says this in Acts 16, verse 31. It says this. And this is the story when Paul and Silas are in prison, and they're singing, and things start happening, and God appears, and the prison doors open, and Paul and Silas say, they believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. You and your household. Now, let me say this to you. I believed. I believed in the virgin birth. I did. Because I hadn't read it, but I'd been told about it. I believed that Jesus lived a sinless, perfect life. I believed that he did miracles. I even knew the shortest verse in the Bible. John eleven thirty five. I don't know why he cried, but it says he wept. Jesus wept. I was so proud of myself. People say, you know the Bible. Yeah, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? I've got no idea. I believed he was the greatest teacher that ever lived. I believed he died on a cross. I believed he rose from the dead. I believed it all. But I didn't believe I needed him to be my own personal Savior and Lord. And then he found me. The Bible says he found me. Now I want to ask you this morning, do you believe do you believe? Now that believe, I looked up the Greek word. <laughs> it says believe, no, I'm joking. <laughs> and I'm not a Greek scholar, but I've got a thing called a Strong's Concordance. And preachers never tell you that. They just say, I looked up the Greek word. Sounds, <laughs> he really knows his stuff. I just looked up the word in, the con in this Greek thing. It says this. That word believe means to be persuaded, to be convinced of, to rely on by inward certainty, to trust completely or to have faith. I believe I can surf. I look like a beached whale when I'm in my wetsuit and I get thrown up on the beach and people run to help me, but I believe I can surf. I can't surf, but I can believe I can. And I can believe many things. And I can believe that Jesus is God. And I can believe, but I've got to have that inner assurance. It's not just I believe. I've got to have that inner assurance that this Jesus is who he claims to be. And he is who he claims to be. And I say that on the authority of what God's word says. Not what I say. This, this, this book, this book, 
is 2,000 years old. It can't be improved on. Do you know this book is still the best-selling book in the world every year? Did you know that? More Bibles are sold every year than any other book. It's 2,000 years old. It's outdated, our modern people would say. No. This Jesus who this Bible talks about, he's the one who doesn't just want you to know him religiously. He wants you to know him personally. You can have a personal relationship. Hebrews 12.2, and Mike spoke about fixing our eyes, Jesus, is what it says. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of God. Now, I want to ask you the question, on which Jesus do we fix our eyes? Do I fix my eyes on Jesus in a manger? Because that's what, that makes me feel nice. That's, that's sweet and it's not offensive. He's, 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 you know, he's Jesus. Yeah, it's wonderful. Or do I fix my eyes on Jesus on the cross and feel some of the pain and anguish that he went through and it makes me feel better? Or do I fix my eyes on the empty tomb and realize this Jesus is alive and he's watching now listen to this very carefully he's not watching you he's watching over you he's watching over you because his love for you exceeds all the boundaries of love that we can we can ever establish he's watching over us we must remember the manger we must remember the cross we can't separate them. They all combine to give us a proper understanding of our Christian faith. faith. They mustn't be separated. But Jesus' birth and his death are not are ends in themselves. You see, if it was an end in itself, Jesus born, oh, story over. No, 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 he lives and he dies. Story over. No, 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 he gets resurrected. The story continues. We can't forget the birth and the cross, of course not. They are both miraculous historical events that carry incredible power. But we mustn't forget that this Jesus is alive. He's alive. And he is seated in heaven. It doesn't end there. It's a continuing fact. It's the hope we have as Christians. Weakness lay in the manger. Weakness and death were on the cross. Power lies in the throne. We started by saying... His birth, his death, the resurrection are all miracles. This is the wonder. Nearly done. This is the wonder. The eternal God could die. How could God die? If God dies, well, then we, God's dead. Remember Nietzsche, the famous whatever he was? And they all printed T-shirts at the university, and it said, God is dead, Nietzsche. All the Nietzscheers, all the philosophers, he was a philosopher, I walk around. So the Christians took a V-shirt out and they said, Nietzsche's dead, God. God is alive. We want him dead. People want him dead because he comes and disrupts our beings and wants to put us in the right place. But that the eternal God could die was a miracle. Even more a miracle is that he would die. He said, I'll die. 
I'll go to the cross. I'll die for the humankind. And even more amazing, wonderful, remarkable is that he did die. But he had to be born into the human race in order to die. It blows your mind. He was born, we know that, into the human race. He was born into the human race and he did die. But he rose again. My mate said this. He rose again on the third today. <laughs> on the third day, but today. He not only took our punishment, but he took my guilt. And I'm going to end with two stories. I tell it so well. Somebody said, is it really true? It's not true. I make the story up, but I'll tell you the story carries glory to God. I mean, that's what you call serving. This is an amazing, thank you. Don't put it on the piano, Jeffrey. I've had those questions before. This guy was at school with me. And um, yeah, he, he killed someone, committed murder, called it self-defense, ended up in a magistrate's court, the judge, whatever he is. And the judge was also at school with us, but because they wear those fancy thingy-majigs, those wig things, you know, all the robes, the guy in the dock didn't recognize the guy as the judge, but the judge recognized the guy in the dock. And so the judge said to him, well, how do you plead, sir? He said, sir, I plead guilty. It was an accident. It was self-defense. It was... He said, your punishment is 15 years imprisonment or 50,000 rand. He said, he said, your honor, I don't have 50,000 rand. I, I can't go to jail. I've got a wife and family. You, please, can you believe? Please. And the judge said to him, 50K or whatever, 10 years or 15 years. And he hung his head. And they were going to lead him away. He said, wait, wait, wait. And the judge stood up, took this thing off, took his robes off and went down. And he said, Jeff, do you remember me? I said, I do. He said, listen, I'll pay the fine for you. No, you can't. No, I'll pay the fine. I know you. I'll pay the fine for you, and you can go free. That's what Jesus did for us. He paid. So now, somebody comes and says, gee, you're quite a brave guy taking on Hey, even you, you're guilty of a crime. No, no, I'm not guilty of a crime. I didn't commit the crime. The other guy committed the crime. Yeah, but you, yeah, but you paid. No, but I'm not guilty. Listen, he even took our guilt away. Romans 8 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. He took my guilt away. The guilt that you carry with you of things you've done through your life. Jesus wants to take it away and he'll forgive you for all your sin. On the day of Pentecost, when all the Jews from all over came to the temple in Jerusalem and there were sacrifices being made and they brought lambs 
to be sacrificed. They brought a lamb for a family. They brought a lamb. And the lamb had been prepared for that day. And Uncle Jaime and Auntie whoever brought the lamb and the kids, and they stood. And the priest came. And they presented their sacrifice. And the kids said, I hope he doesn't ask Dad about his income tax return. <laughs> We're in trouble. You remember the deal Dad did with Uncle Solly? <laughs> when the priest never looked at the family. He looked at the lamb. He examined the lamb. And if the lamb was acceptable, the lamb was slaughtered. And the lamb's blood paid for those families' sins for one year. And when Jesus came to be baptized in the River Jordan and John the Baptist saw him, this is what he said. Look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We don't get examined. We know our weaknesses. We know our failings. We know our guilt. We know our debt. We know everything. Jesus was examined by the judge in heaven, the Father. And he was found to be acceptable. And he paid for your sin. He paid for your guilt. He is the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus have you believed that? Have you believed that? You must accept that. See, I can believe it, but I can just like thread it through my eyeballs when I read it. I must own it. This Jesus, this Jesus did it for me, and I acknowledge that. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Do you have peace with God? I didn't, I didn't earn it. I couldn't earn it. But I came to him, and I said to him, I, I've blown it. Will you please save me? Will you please forgive me for all the wrongs I've committed in my life, all the things I've done wrong? And he said, I will. And I'll wipe your slate clean, and now I have peace because I've been justified. And justified is a legal term. The man that went and said, I'll pay your fine for you, justified the other man. Did he do it for him? He said, I'll do it for you. That's the story of the resurrection. That's the story of Easter. That's why we celebrate. We're the only faith that celebrates the death of their God. <laughs> Amazing. Because he's not dead, he's alive. We're going to break bread. Are you going to do that? Yeah? Yeah, you're going to do that? I just want to pray. Let's just close our eyes, shall we? It's a, it's a beautiful story, the wonder of Jesus. And I don't know you folks. I know there's more mics than other people here, but I don't know where you stand. I don't know. I'm not here to, to put guilt on you or make you feel bad. I'm here to tell you, though. You can have a peace from Christ. You can walk away feeling that my guilt is gone. I don't feel guilty. You can say, I've tried my best. I've, I've worked hard. No, Jesus did it for you. That's, that's the good news of the gospel. Jesus 
did it for you. What do I do? I come and confess my need. And if, you, if you're in that place and you visited this morning, I, I, as I said, I don't know you, and you've never made a commitment to Christ, please, I'm asking you, come and talk to me afterwards. Let's just talk. I'll hang around. We can just talk. But Father, we, we thank you that you sent your son. We thank you, Jesus. You said, I do everything my father tells me. And you obeyed him to the last letter. And we want to bless you for that. And thank you, Lord. You didn't, your word says, leave us as orphans. You've sent him who is your spirit. And you said he's just like me. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'll come and stir our hearts again with gratitude and thankfulness to what you did for us, Jesus. And remember that you, the God who lives, not just lives, but lives forevermore. And we honor you this morning. We say thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks, Jeff. I saw this morning on someone's status that they said that uh, today was the greatest lockdown that actually was never achieved. <laughs> and they couldn't keep him bound, and the stone was rolled away. And so they tried to keep him, keep him down, but there was nothing. And so that's, a, that's an incredible truth for us. So. Um, oh, thanks, Jeff, for, for just sharing your heart. As we were just, uh, I kind of <clears throat> was just helping out with Judah, our son, and walking around, um, someone came to me and said, you know what, Mike, there's 